This call is being recorded. You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good afternoon, everybody. Um, got a special one here, and it's, you know, when you can get a man with a resume that we're about to sit down here and uh, talk a little Niners and Browns Monday night, you're certainly going to take that opportunity. So Jeff Floyd and three-time All-Pro, Super Bowl champ, holds the postseason NFL record for five interceptions. I'm sorry, five games in a row with an interception. Long time San Francisco 49er. Uh, now it'll obviously in the media aspect of it as well. Former defensive back, Eric Davis. Eric, first of all, thanks for taking the time. How's everything going? I am holding on for an old man. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> um, we're going to get, we'll get into, uh, you know, some, obviously the career here. We'll get to that in a little bit here. Um, the San Francisco 49ers team, um, you know, obviously I think a lot are surprised at the start of 3-0. and Maybe some of it is due a little bit to a friendly schedule. Um, but I'm looking at the offense here, and for now it kind of seems like a, you don't really know what's coming. There's a lot of balance between the run and the pass, and there's a lot of you don't really know necessarily who's getting the ball. Everybody's kind of doing a little bit of something. Uh, absolutely, and that's, I think that's Kyle Shanahan's uh, mindset. The game plan – is to have that run going. He, he wants to run the ball, and then his pass is it's not play action. It's run action. He wants to throw off of the run action. He wants to get everyone seeing the same things, feeling the same things, um, even with different personnel groups. You're, it, it's, you start to train the, the defense's eyes to react to the same things, and then all of a sudden the ball is coming out off of that action, and you know, multiple receivers are getting the ball in those situations. Um, it's, it's working so far. I mean, I mean, they've been able to score points, and they've had what five or six touchdowns called back for penalties that had nothing to do with the design of the play. So right now, he's he's come up with something uh, based on the the personnel that he has in that locker room that that's actually work workable and um, repeatable. So the question is how much of it is the quarterback going to be able to efficiently do and how fast are some of those young receivers going to pick up on it. But right now, uh, the, the Niners offense can score points. And with that defense, that's a good thing for them. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's certainly a nice blend. And, you know, going through, uh, you know, obviously the, the film of the three games and it's it's kind of a you don't really know what's coming at you, so to speak. Yeah. Um, George Kittle, um, you know, if you're going to look at it stat-wise right now, not, not nearly on the pace that he was last year, is this more of a defense is taking him away or is this more of San Francisco, look, we've got to keep it. We've got to keep it balanced. We've got to keep it spread out. Uh, no, well, George Kittle is the real deal. I think this is – Oh, no doubt. But the, the, it's more so you look at what's happening at the left tackle position, which Staley going out, uh, you're going to have to help out school. Um, that's one thing. So Kittle's a very good blocker. Um, and, that, and, and to a tight end, being a really good blocker uh, could be a detriment in some, in some cases. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you think Jason Witten has so – I mean, we all know he's a Hall of Fame tight end. Tight end. He would have so many more touchdowns if he couldn't block because in the red zone, his entire career, they've kept him in to help protect. Uh, so, so that's what's happening with Kittle right now. Kittle is such a good blocker that, and Kyle Shanahan, and you, you've seen the tape, you've seen the film. He has a lot of deep developing crossing routes and uh, misdirection type plays. They take time. 
Kittle's a good blocker. You keep him in on a lot of those because of that. So I think he's right now he's kind of a slave to his own talent in that aspect, so they're not putting him out quite as much. I'm sure he's still going to get his numbers. You go against when you, when you start going against teams that aren't uh, sending five guys, six guys, and you don't need them in as much, or when they feel comfortable that uh, you know that you know school can hold up, these tackles can hold up by themselves more, then he's gonna he's gonna be able to get out into the passing routes. But I think it's just more so just a case of the fact that they're just trying to protect the quarterback because they don't want Jimmy to get rattled. So it's better to it's better to slow down that passing game to Kittle and and keep the quarterback upright and let him build his confidence than to try to get those numbers up and get the ball into the hands of this guy who can make plays for you. But the quarterback is probably going to get knocked to the ground a little bit more. And if Jimmy doesn't get his head straight, because he hasn't played, man, Jimmy hasn't played. He's been in the league a long time, but he, he doesn't he, he doesn't have a full season under his under his belt. So, and, and that's why everyone's like franchise quarterback. I keep saying, stop it. He had done a damn thing for the franchise. You can't call him a franchise quarterback. We don't even know if he's a solid starter yet. So you got to let him build his confidence. So I think that's how, that's what's affecting Kittle. It has nothing to do with his play or him having a slow year. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, and that's one thing I'm wondering because obviously, you know, with Miles Garrett and the matchup with school, you, you know, yeah. So <laughs> yeah. I, I'm hoping that, look, if we know we don't really have to worry so much about George, the receiver, that might be, you know, that might make things a little easier Browns wise. I mean, and the thing is, um, Greg Williams, it was weird because he did it with Miles as a rookie. He was moving him around. Then uh-huh. last year he didn't move him around. Now this year they're back to moving Miles Garrett around, but I, I'm not sure you're going to move him around too much when you got a player like Miles Garrett and you know you got a rookie out there for him to go one on one with. Or I should oh say yeah, yeah, you're yeah, and and you know what? It had to be crazy if they leave him one on one. I don't see them leaving him one on one the entire you know you know very much. I don't know if they would have left um, Staley one on one with Garrett <laughs> an awful lot. I mean, seriously, I mean it's a Pro Bowl. Yeah, you're going to give him a shot if you got your Pro Bowler out there. You're going to leave him out there and expect him to hold up. But, um, I mean, I don't think you're going to you're, – you're not going to just put yourself – it's just bad. It's bad coaching. It's bad football to sit there and just say, I'm going to stay, it, you know, one-on-one with this guy all night long in crucial situations when you know he's capable of making that play. You just, you just simply don't do it. Uh, it's what you're going to have to do, and it's the correct thing. And it's they're, they're a good D-line, and I've actually talked about this with a bunch of people. I think this is going to be – whichever – defensive line probably plays better this week and you know essentially you know folk you know, uh puts in the the, the bigger game-changing plays that's probably going to be the outcome of this game because both d lines are just ridiculously talented agreed agreed I, I'm, I'm looking at this game and i was talking to someone about it yesterday and they asked me like one what, what did i think you know there's got to be a major key and you're right there i i said i think as far as matching up uh because football is all about matchups so as far as, you know, these defenses matching up with the offenses, I think that you have yourself there where the defenses match up well. So it's got to come down to, yeah, yeah what, who can cause some turnovers? And those turnovers normally get caused by, you know, the big boys up front uh, banging heads, uh, rushing a quarterback, you know, tipping a ball, making, making him not be able to set his feet. So, so you're right. The D-lines are going to have a lot to do with the outcome of this game. Um, now I just want to get to one other one here on the offensive side of the ball. Um, you know, the wide receiver position, um, obviously everybody does a little bit of everything. Dante Pettis, I was a big fan of, and it just seems, you know, and he may be another case now where he doesn't have a lot of familiarity, uh, familiarity with Jimmy either. 
Mm-hmm. How would you no actually one does. say? It? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny, you, you know. It's funny that you say that that no one's really familiar with Jimmy. You know, well, this player's not really familiar with him. And I, well, who does? Jimmy hasn't played. No one, no one, no one's familiar with Jimmy. Kittle, no one, no one's played a lot with him. So I, I'm sorry for cutting you off, but that that's what I'm saying about Jimmy. He just he has this franchise tag label, and he's got what 10, 10 games, twelve games, stuff like that under his belt. But keep going. I'm sorry for cutting you off. Yeah, no, that's, you know, so, um, you know, it's weird because obviously Pettis had the strong finish last year. Now, you know, they're trying to mix in where his role is going to be. Who is the best wide receiver on the San Francisco 40 right Niners roster? Um, George Kittle. (laughs) (laughs) No, seriously, seriously, it's Kittle. It's it's for years. Like in Dallas, I I keep going back to Witten because in Dallas, years they were talking about you know the other receiver to Des Bryant and who was again I was like you yeah, well Jason Witten Jason Witten was actually the number one Des was the number two receiver um Kittle's their number one <laughs> and he's the guy that they really want to work things with and the way the rules are set up now if you have a tight end a viable tight end down the middle of the field uh, he's the most protected player um on the field that's why you see all these athletic tight ends making these plays now because you can't bang anyone in the middle of the field now without it being a penalty. Uh, you can roam free through there. Once upon a time, uh, there was a tax to pay. <laughs> I mean, if you cross that bridge, you could levy a tax and, and guys were getting smashed in there. You can't do that anymore. So Kittle really is the guy. So now no one um, – and, you know, and I'm being a little facetious there, but there's no one outside that has claimed – no one outside the number on the autobahn out there, you know, where things move fast and, you know, there's fatalities at every collision outside the numbers. Um, no one has claimed that spot out there. Pettis made a play, probably the biggest play of his career, you know, getting that scoring that touchdown, winning, you know, that led to the win in their last game. Uh, maybe he can build off of that. The coaches have, a, he's a talented, talented kid. And they have, they have talent in that wide receiver room, uh, but no one has shown that they consistently do it in confidence. You have some guys out there in Cleveland. Uh, I mean, if you look at Landry, you look at Odell, what, what, what you have in, in those two guys are players that are confident, not because they are cocky, not because it's false bravado. It's because they've done it. Confidence comes from doing once you make a play, you know you can make another one. You don't have to question whether or not you, you can do it. And the 49ers and, and, and those wide receivers, outside of out in, in the receiving game period, outside of Kittle, there's no one who's done it enough in big-time situations or consistently enough to where they personally have the confidence that they can do it. I mean, you, you know, of course, these guys, you know, ball players, you're all cocky and you all like I'm the man, but – can you, until you put it on film, it's not real. So talent, yes. Does Pettis have it? Yes. Do I think that he can build off of that last play? I do because I think he's going to get more opportunities since he got a game winner. You're going to give him a chance to get more. But um, I still got to go back. Number one receiver is Kittle. Take him out. That's the first thing you do. If I'm the defensive coordinator, if I'm sitting there and, I, and I'm Steve Wilkes, the first thing I'm saying is take Kittle away. Did I lose you, man? Yeah, I'm here. I, I got you. 
Well, and that's what I've been trying to say is, I mean, I think in the way it is, especially with Kittle, is you're going to kind of just have to go with a high-low. Um, obviously, um, the Browns, you know, Mac Wilson's a younger linebacker. Joe Schobert is a smart linebacker who excels in coverage. They already play three safeties because they play the big nickel anyway. You're going to just kind of mm-hmm. have to keep somebody under and keep somebody over. And even still, I mean, and this is the one I keep telling everybody, even if you grab a hold of them, you better hang on and pray for a friend to come bail you out. <laughs> well, I mean, he, he's just a player. There are some guys that if, if you get them in situations to where you are going to try and get the ball to them, they can make enough plays. Uh, and they're they're going to get theirs. Uh, you, 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 Landry, he's one of those guys. Odell is really one of those guys. If you're truly trying to get the ball to them, they can work and they can get open and they can do that. So yeah, you're right. But you, you make it as difficult as you possibly can. Um, Kittle, he's going to be on, at near the line of scrimmage. He's lining up around the big boys. He should never be able to run down the field without getting just banged around. He, there, there's no way he should run down the field unmolested um, and, and be able to get off into his route. He should have to deal with a, a lineman or a linebacker over his head. He should be pushed at the next level once he gets to the second level by a safety um and after the play you're tugging on him you're pulling on him you're trying to irritate him that's the way that's the way you should be playing it and the flip side is that the Niners should be doing the same thing to the receivers I don't know if Landry you tell me is Landry playing man are they going to let him out of protocol to where he could play it's uh my guess is no um and you know they kind of do get the extra day because of the Monday night game um, you know, having taken the field today, the, the Freddie Kitchen said as of this morning, he's still in the protocol. So um, my guess would be, you know, right now I, I would probably say no, but they're going to get Antonio Callaway back. He's back off the suspension. Rashard Higgins, yeah. if he's healthy. So it could be one where they're subbing one out, but actually subbing two in. Uh, so, you know, it's not that they don't have a lot at the position, um, but, you know, you, you certainly would want to go into this, especially with as hot as Jarvis was last Sunday. Uh, well, I, I I like Jarvis because Jarvis is just so active that um, uh, you know he 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 makes the defense have to be honest. So because and you're like, there's plenty of talent. You said it. There's plenty of talent in that in that room, um, but all over the field. That, that's the thing about Landry. Landry is everywhere. He's all over the field. The the run after the catch ability um, is there and. And, and it's, it's just something about he's a different type player than Odell. And, yes, Odell gets all the attention. And I, and I absolutely love Odell and I love his game. Um, but if if you're going into it with both those players on the field, you know that you're – of course you're going to make certain that you pay attention to Odell. Um, because, but the other guy – yes, Odell can strike you over the top and kill you quickly. You know that. But if you leave Jarvis alone, it's 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 death by installment. It's coming. yeah, we've um yeah we've <laughs> actually, you know what I mean? You, uh, yep. Well, yeah. I've had somebody actually tell me, and this was probably a pretty accurate description. Is it, it may be easier to cover Odell Beckham Jr. for the hundred yard length of the field than it is to cover Jar- Jarvis Landry for the fifty two yard width of the field? There you go. There you go. That's what I'm saying. It's death by installment. Yeah, you you won't you won't look at it and go like, wow, man, like that play, like he's just killing you over the top. But you're looking at it and he just continuously moves the chains and his body blows and his body blow after body blow. And the next thing you know, you're spitting up blood and you're wondering why. It's because you know he's just <laughs> chopping you in pieces. 
Yeah. Yeah, and the last week was much better because um, and they got the offense just back to bet, you know, what it looked like closer to the end of 18. And one thing is Jarvis is, you know, don't call the long developing pass plays. And like you said, um, you know, get it quick. And it's the amount of hits that, you know, Jarvis will get into you. That'll be the one that'll eventually take you out. And obviously, you know, we set up a couple of touchdowns, you know, uh, with the uh, you know with the long yak after the play. Um, we're going to yeah, flip it over yeah. the defensive Got it. In a minute here with Eric Davis, former San Francisco 49er. Just a quick word here. Uh, make a memory that lasts a lifetime with Vivid Seats. Um, use the app, whether on Google or on, uh, obviously, on the Apple iPhone. Uh, enter the promo code KICKOFF, all caps, at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. We're sitting here with former San Francisco 49er Eric Davis. Obviously, went over. Uh, the offensive side of the ball. And look, once you get talking the ball, you just started blending everything together. It's just the way it goes. <laughs> yeah, um, that's, uh, yeah I, I, that's my fault, man. I, we just start talking ball. Oh, no, it's just, trust me. Yeah, me and my regular co-host, like everyone, everyone's last, like, oh, what, what are your scripts like? Uh, it's about two words, and then everything just kind of blends in together. I, I, was, I was about to um, say, yeah, I didn't, get, I didn't get the script. My bad. <laughs> I'm going to start doing it. don't need no script. <laughs> <laughs> Um, now, on the defensive side of the ball, um, obviously the defensive line, I mean, Solomon Thomas isn't even a starter here anymore, which is, you know, it, it's just crazy to think because the amount of players that are on that defensive line, um, and of course, all the Ohio folks want to know. Uh, Nick Bosa, first impressions, how's he looking so far? Um, I, just a talented player. He's everything to be a high-end pass rusher. Um, in the in the NFL is there. He has the motor. Uh, he has the physical ability. Um, he he has um, he has the the next level knowledge uh, of from a technique standpoint. Uh, that where you see that like his base technique is to a point to where you know that he's going to work and develop to where it's going to be a consistent threat um, with him coming off the edge. The motor's there, so he has everything. He's got to learn. I mean, that is, it's just that simple. He has he has to learn some things. He has to, he has to learn to utilize what he has to the fullest to his fullest ability, and that's that's where he's going right now. He he's there. It's it, it, it's almost like a young corner. And I remember being there where you where you find yourself in position and you just don't make the play. It's like you're always right there. And I'm sure if, if you watch and if you're watching the team, you're going to see players, young players, like they're always where they're supposed to be, but they're doing just enough to get beaten on that play. And that's, that's kind of where Nick is, where he's, a, he's around it and he's still figuring it out. Uh, but you know that any moment that it's going to click in uh, because he, he continues to work and get better and he has some, you know, some pretty good guys around him that um that are going to allow him to be able to make some plays. Doesn't have to feel like all the pressure's on him because that front is pretty good that he's a part of. Uh, but yeah, yeah, um, not a bad player <laughs> at all. No. no, and then yeah, I mean, and obviously you just go through the names of you know who else is lined up on the defensive line, and it's 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 really good. And you know, because like some of them, you know, some folks are asking, well, who has a better D line? It's like, well, I I think Eddie, you know, you'd ask about probably twenty seven. NFL teams and to be like, well, I don't care. Can I just have a defensive line? I'll take either one of them. That's how really good and talented these units are. Yes. And yes. Let me ask you this though. What is it like now seeing the way, I mean, for you, what is it like to see the way some of these guys at 315, 320, the way they move? I mean, look, everybody, it just seems like athletes are even more athletic to this day, but you see what some of these guys now do and you're like, wait a minute, is 320? 
this guy weighs 320 and they move like this? It's insane. And well, you know what? The funny thing about it, you know, it's crazy now, uh, but, but a lot more attention is paid to it. Um, see, people didn't realize how athletic and how um, how big, how strong, how athletic that Dallas Cowboys line was. Uh, Mary Allen, um, and, and, I, and I had to point this out to some people when I was, some friends of mine that played basketball. I, I took them to a game one time, and I told them I wanted them because they were just talking about uh, basketball players always think they're tough. And it was like, you know, that's not a tough guy sport. Um, it's, it's just, it's a, you know, like that's, that's, basketball is a contact sport. Football is a collision sport. And I would have them come, and I had a few guys, NBA players come to game and stand on the sideline. And we were playing Dallas one day. And I told him, I said, if Larry Allen was coming at you, I said, there's no way you're going to avoid him. And I, and I told him, I was like, you guys aren't quick enough. There's just simply no way because he's too big, he's too strong, he's too fast, and he's too good of an athlete. Um, and they didn't believe it until they actually stood on the field and they saw how fast he was moving. Uh, so there have always been big, quick guys. But now, you know, with, uh, with everyone having all the stats and – and all the trackers and everything, there's just more attention being brought to it. Uh, so, yes, it's a, it's a big man's game. I don't know how I survived, you know, playing at, you know, 185 pounds. For, for how I survived 13 years running into those guys because I had a lot of collisions with those big boys. But you, you do, you see it and, and it, and I'm still amazed by it. I remember the first time I, I, I really stood next to Julius Peppers and I watched him and I looked at him and I was like, this dude is six, six, he's 300 pounds and he's built like a DB. I remember thinking that I was like, there's no, no belly, no, you know, no gut, no fat. No, he's not smuggling snacks. This is just a, <laughs> like, just a huge athlete. And yeah, that's the norm now. So I, I, yeah, there have been big guys, but just the body makeup, is so different now. So I get what you're saying. It, it is, it, it, it's incredible when you look at how large these human beings are, how athletic they are. Um, and, you know, and the funny thing is quarterbacks, they're still standing there. That's why these, I still say it's the toughest position in professional sports by far because these guys are the only ones in that collision sport. They are the only ones that have to deal with the physics because they stand still. Everyone else gets to move. Yep. And, and, and you get to you get to try to in some way negate that that force that's coming towards you. Quarterbacks just stand there and they're getting hit by monsters. And that's got to hurt, man. <laughs> oh, it does. And, it, you know, especially when you see him, you know, and they, and they get him literally right at the lower back. And, you know, like the, you know, the head goes one way, the, you know, the front of the body goes out. And it's just yeah. Like, and see him consistently get it's like, oh, good God. And I mean, that's just, I mean, God bless them. I guess that's why they get the money they do. Um, the linebacker um, duo. Now, obviously, uh, Warner came in with a nice, nice rookie year last year. You went out and spent it with a King's ransom on Quan Alexander, which, you know, some folks were nervous about because he was coming off the ACL. So far, how is that gelling, those, that, two, that group? Um, I think it's amazing. Um, you know, another name you got to throw in there is Green. Youngster yep. has come in. And he is playing very well, very active. Um, uh, you know, they're fast. You know, Quan has come in, and that's the thing that's, that's changed about the 49ers defense. Uh, they have you. Uh, we, we always talk about that front. They they probably have six guys that that could start anywhere. A minimum six guys, and that and you know, and the, and the big boys. 
that linebacking crew, they are, they can cover so much ground now. They are fast. They they're rangy. They're and so it gives it gives um, Robert Sala, the defensive coordinator, an opportunity to do a lot more with his coverages because these guys can they're rangy guys and they can they can run in space and run with tight ends and run with backs. Um, and then the other aspect of it is that they're kind of nasty. And you want your linebackers to be nasty. Your linebackers and your offensive linemen, they're, they're supposed to just be nasty. I mean, really, they need to be assholes. That's, that's just, just the personality. <laughs> no, no, seriously, they, 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 that, that's what you want. You, you want your, your offensive linemen to be assholes. You want your linebackers to be assholes. Uh, because these guys are in the middle of the field. Uh, you know, it's like, it's like chess. And, and they have to, you have to control the middle of the board. And you need those guys to have that type mentality um, to where it's like, you know, it's, it's an all-day meal. It, it, it's, it's coming. I'm coming. Yes, yes, I hit you like I was crazy, and I'm going to hit you again the next play because I meant to hit you that way to where you start to think, like, maybe this kid is a little off. That's how those, that linebacking crew is. So that's, that's what I think is, is happening. And I see why they spent the money on Quan. I always like Quan. I, I and I'm not one that's afraid of injury. There are a lot of people that sort of sort of lose it when a guy gets injured, and I'm like, okay, what was the injury? Is it something they can heal from? I'm like, okay, it's the same, you know, with Sherm. Um, it's the same, Jason Verrett. If a guy gets hurt, if he's healthy, if he could play before, if he's still a young player, his body hasn't shut down, he's probably going to play. And and so far with Quan, that's what's happening. Um, I think he's he's really changed the the attitude of that defense by and and not to mention just the physical attributes, like I said, the speed and everything that that he's helped add to it. Yeah, and that's I mean it's it's just where the linebacker position is now, and it's you know I mean you know even you know, with the three four, and this is what really showed last week for Baltimore. You didn't pay C.J. Mosley the money. And, you know, Nick Chubb essentially, you know, after, you know, they held him in check for about 13, 14 carries, but that's when you get the test. Who's going to win the defense or who's going to win the running back? And those last six, there's nothing they can do. They had nothing left to deal with him because he's a big, big, good-sized kid. And he just kept leaning, 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 and, you know, Uh they didn't have the will. So that's why, you know, for them, why, you know, I mean, thanks for all the world, right? It helps me. And and you know what? And you just said it. And you just said it, and that, that's a real thing. That's a real thing how you just said it, and people you have to realize that when you say the will to just keep doing it. Because it's, it's, at some point, at some point you, you have to decide, are you crazy enough to hit this guy again? <laughs> you, <laughs> yeah. You're right. Do, do you feel like chasing him again? Do you feel like sticking your head in there again? Is, and, and on the flip side of that, is Chubb willing to come at you again? Is he willing, is he willing to take one more hit? Is he is he willing to try and get away from you in one more route because he knows that he could do it? And that's the thing that 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 is what you have to have on both sides to be good. You have to have high end players that can do that. That can literally, as Ronnie would say, you go into the game. The goal is to take the guy's will. I, I want to take your heart. I, I I want to truly make you quit. And that's what you're trying to do. And 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 um, it's a real thing. Yeah. And the funniest part was is that um, uh, the the Browns had him mic'd up, and Nick Chubb says nothing. So all you hear, and you hear about eight minutes of this audio, and you just hear with every run, thud, 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 thud. Gets back up again. Thud, 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 thud. He had the touchdown run where he broke the three tackles in the middle field. He scores, just crosses the goal line. All you hear is a breathing. 
Jarvis Landry's got to come over and basically, you know, do the trash talking for him. It was the most, it was like, well, who thought to actually even put this on him? But I mean, the one thing you take away from it because he's not a talker is you just hear the, the constant. I mean, it literally sounds like, you know, you're just walking down a hallway and people are just taking a broom and continuously whacking you. But obviously a broom probably filled with, you know, 200 pounds of change and just boom, 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 boom. Yeah. And, and, yes. and it got to the point. Oh, and, and, and not a word, just gets up every play. And for the eight minutes they, you know, they played this. I mean, I think he said thank you to somebody once and somebody gave a tap and said, oh, yeah, nice effort or something. And it was just like, and that, those are the guys that really scare you because, like, you know, you're normally used to the guys who won't shut their mouths. The guy who's not going to say a word, that's the one that's like, well, what is he really thinking? Because this guy ain't saying Oh, yeah, nothing. exactly, because you can't – and that goes offensively and defensively. When guys don't talk, it's just that. You don't know if they're tired. You don't know if they're hurt. You don't know if, if, you, if you're getting in their head and you have them thinking because you're trying to do things to get a guy off of his game. You don't know where their focus is. Absolutely. If the guy's just running that way and he's taking the blows and delivering blows, well, Chubb was delivering blows. He wasn't taking them. So, so yeah. when you're doing that, yeah, it, it, it does. It, and, and really, you, you get out there sometimes and, and you're in that huddle. When you, when you have a guy running like that, it's like, okay, we, we got to figure out a way. We got to figure out a way to slow him down, to break him down, because he just keeps coming. And the trash talk is not working. You're not getting in his head. He's not worried about his thing. Yeah, that's that that's a difficult player to figure out when he's able to deal with those car wrecks. And I said, I was, I was in a, I was in a car wreck once in, in a suburban that rolled over three times. We It literally rolled over three times, not nearly as painful as having to take on, you know, that OT pool when you got to deal with that guard and that tackle and hit them right in the face. Then you have to do that five <laughs> or six times a game. It's not nearly, not nearly as painful. So yeah, so you're you're right about Chubb taking those blows. That's that, that's a tough guy. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he, and he's just a pleasure to watch because of the type of kid he is. Uh, guys, uh, treat yourself to something. Uh, DoorDash. Um, look, you get home at the end of the day. Who wants to deal with after work and everything else of actually having to worry about thirty to forty minutes of putting together a dinner? Go ahead, use DoorDash. Use the DoorDash app. Uh, get five dollars off your first port purchase of fifteen dollars or more when you download the DoorDash app. Use the promo code, all caps, no space, locked on. Now, Erica, I want to ask you a little bit about your career. Um, well, first things first, I mean, you have a record playoff-wise that'll never be broken. I feel pretty confident in saying that. Um, did Even at the time, did you realize it? Like, man, every time we're playing in a big one, I'm ended up making a play. Um. You know what? I I knew I was a pretty good player. Um, I never really got the 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 pub and the hype and all of that uh, because I was not a talker. I was not a dancer. I was not a. I I, I just kind of did with. I lived in the philosophy where I, I sort of expected to make a play. That was my job to make a play. So you're supposed to make a play, and I felt like I did more good than bad for my team. Uh, that was kind of my goal always to just get the ball back and get it to the offense. I, I sort of thought that was that was my job. So I I knew that okay I, that I was making some plays, but I but you know when you're doing it when you're in it you don't think about it. Never never really thought about it or, it, or viewed it that way. Just just trying to go in and do my job. Uh, but I always felt like it was important for me to do my job. Um, and, um, and and the goal. Every year, my goal was to go in, be the best player uh, on the best unit 
on the best defense on the best team. That's that's sort of what that was it. And, you know, if I fell short of that goal, then I was still like, okay, I guess I, I could still be pretty good. But that was the goal to go in and try and, and try and play at that level. Uh, so when the games came along, I, that's what I was told. You know, every day with the Niners, man, it was like, hey, man, we're here to win championships. This is how we're going to do it. That's how we started things off. When I was brought to the team, you're here to bring furniture into the building. Buy furniture, they meant trophies. And they were like, you know, until you bring furniture in here, you don't get a key to the building. So <laughs> the mindset is that you're supposed to do these things. And preseason, we didn't care. We didn't care. I mean, I was, I was literally trying to not touch the ground in preseason. I actually accomplished it. I actually had an entire preseason where I did not touch the ground. <laughs> and that was the goal. I'm, I'm talking practice. I'm talking, you know, two-a-days, preseason game. It was like, do not touch the ground. That, that's, that was it. But we were always working on our craft and all that stuff. It was like, there's no reason for me to do this. Regular season, where, where they're like, oh, you don't overlook anyone. I'm not, we never overlooked anyone. But did we look at the schedule and say, okay, we, we look at the teams. We got the Saints. We got the Cincinnati. We got the Falcons. We're looking at this and like, okay, when we play Dallas, you know, week 11, uh, we'll be 10 and 0. We were like, ah, no, okay, well, we'll we got to have a bad day somewhere. We'll be 9 and 1. That's, that's <laughs> how we used to look at it. Like, these, they, these were people who were in our way. Uh, and that was it. So, playoff times come to get back to your original question. When the playoffs come, okay, you know, everyone here is good. You got to show up, make a play. So, that was it. I was just trying to make some plays, man. So, so if you can cause a fumble, if you can jump on a, f- a ball on the ground, if you can get an interception or tip one to get it to somebody else where they can make a play, give it back to our offense. Nice. Um, well, obviously, maybe because you weren't a big dancer, but I mean, I guess it wasn't, you know, I mean, Merton Hanks and the chicken, the, ch- <laughs> the chicken neck head. I mean, I well, guess because that one was he liked the dancing. Yep. And I, it, I, it was almost like those games, even when they were being broadcasted, they were waiting for Merton Hanks to make a play. Cause I mean, it was, they had every ca- camera angle on him when it was time for him to celebrate. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, there were guys that, I mean, it was that group that we kind of grew up together. Um, and that's the thing about it that, you know, we, we came in and, and um, uh, when I think Merton got drafted the year after me. And um, so we, we sort of learned our craft and came up. And I, I tell I tell Mert all the time he should be thankful. He should really be thankful that I um, helped him and I came back because my second year in the league I, I tore my shoulder up, and um, and and Merton had to come in and start for me at corner. And I told him if I had never come back, he would have had a short career because he could not play corner. <laughs> <laughs> he would have made it. And they moved him back. They moved him, and so he ended up going eventually moving into safety. And, um, and, and, you know, and, and just, just the mindset and the chemistry with all of us was there. And then, yeah, Merch, Merch started doing the Penguin, man. He started doing the Penguin. That, that was <laughs> his, his Sesame Street dance. That's where he got it from. But They would have had to ship him to Tampa to play that Tampa 2. He wouldn't have survived any other way. No, yeah, really. No, no he wouldn't have survived. You got to understand. Merch was 6'2 like, and 160 pounds. He was so skinny. There's no way he would have survived playing that Tampa too. Having to take on all the run. All right. Before we put a bow on this, Eric. Now you, we give you access to every game you ever played in, but you're only allowed to watch one. Which one are you putting on? I could watch every game that I ever played in, 
No, we give you access to all of it. You can only watch oh. one, though. Oh, access to every game that I've ever played in, and I can only watch one. Oh, wow. Wow. Uh, how far back do I get to go? As far as you want. We gave you all access. <laughs> um, I would go back to my eighth grade year um, at Cobb Junior High School in Anniston, Alabama, where we played a game and we won the championship 14 to 8, and I scored all 14 points. And the winning touchdown I, I scored on was a play that I audible to and and we ran and I ran the ball in and scored and what was so important about that game to me is the see I played football every year of my life from the time I was in the fourth grade until I was 34 years old except for my seventh grade year when I tried out for the Cobb Junior High Panthers and they told me I was too small to play and the next year I came back and we won the championship with me quarterbacking. Um, and that coach after the game told me, he was like, you're pretty good. I probably should have let you play last year. Um, <laughs> so that's, that's still my favorite game to this day. It's still my favorite game. Everybody always likes that feather in the cap. Eric, this has been an absolute blast guys. Uh, former NFL defensive back, 13 year veteran, Super Bowl champion, three-time All-Pro, and uh, NFL player, record holder of five games consecutive with an interception. It's an absolute blast, Eric. I appreciate you for your time. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound, LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.